Today we are discussing the leak of a Supreme Court opinion that may overturn Roe v. Wade. This was a bombshell, and we are joined by Moshe Hill, our old friend for a full analysis. Moshe is a senior fellow at Amaria. His blog is a hill with a view.com. He's been featured in Daily Wire and a bunch of other places, Washington Examiner. He's a political columnist for the Queen's Jewish Link. And you can follow Moshe on Twitter at Hill with View, I believe. That is his handle, unless he's been banned again at Hill with View. Wow, that's a great resume, Moshe. That's all your side job, but Moshe, it's great to have you back. Great to be back. Thank you. And assuming this actually happens, because right now it's just a leaked draft, um, but yeah. let's say they give abortion back to the states. How surprised are you? Did you believe that this issue was kind of sacrosanct, that even the right-wing justices, and we know Coney Barrett, Gorsuch, there are some very, very staunch conservatives, but did you think they were bold enough to overturn potentially Roe v. Wade? I did not think they were bold enough to do it. I thought they were going to find some middle ground between um, completely overthrowing it and uh, what it currently constitutes. Um, I was especially surprised when I heard that uh, Kavanaugh was joined in with that. I thought Kavanaugh was definitely going to be the swing vote on this particular thing because I know that um, uh, Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, and, uh, and Coney Barrett were on one side. And uh, all the liberals, including Roberts, were on the other. And so I thought Kavanaugh was going to be the swing vote on this. Um, so I was a little surprised when I heard that, uh, that it was going to go. And I still think that if Kavanaugh could flip, to be honest, and I already have the New York Post headline, which is going to be Kavanaugh because he came to the left. <laughs> but hopefully we won't see that. Hopefully we won't see that. I hope they pay you for that. And uh, yeah, for all we know, Kavanaugh is the one who leaked it because he wanted to see what kind of backlash they get. That is a great headline. So there are two really separate conversations. Number one, there's the actual opinion, which really shreds the original Roe v. Wade decision and the Casey decision in 1992, 1991. And then the number two is the leak, which is unheard of when it comes to the Supreme Court. And obviously, a lot of people are talking about the deep state and a conspiracy amongst the left. But I guess let's dive in first to the actual opinion. And essentially, Justice Alito argues that the original decision, the court was legislating from the bench, that there was no constitutional basis to say that abortion is a right that's guaranteed by the Constitution. And that that was a huge stretch. And he even hints that they kind of made the decision first on Roe v. Wade on, uh, you know, guaranteeing the rights of abortion and kind of then fit in the rationale. So tell me your analysis, your thoughts on all of that. Yeah, I actually um, I'm not a legal scholar. I, I don't find myself reading judicial opinions on the regular. Uh, however, when this came down, I just started glancing at it and I was literally like sucked in because it's so perfectly written. It's actually like easy to read. It's not like legal jargon or hard to, hard to understand. Alito really like spelled it out and wrote it so perfectly, which, um, and makes it, any, anyone who, now that it's public knowledge, anyone can read it. Anyone can understand it. And he basically just says, this is not found in the law. This is not found in any part of the Constitution. There was a whole history of this was going on. States were arguing it. And all of a sudden, the Supreme Court in 1973 decided to write legislation from the bench. They were not doing what they're supposed to do, which is, which is um, judge the law as it comes in, if it's constitutional, if it's not. They legislated from the bench, and it was completely outside of their jurisdiction to do. And Alito is basically saying, we are basically going to um, reset the, uh, they basically also, he, he does mention a few times that the whole point of them doing this was 
they were attempting to settle the issue. They were trying to say, this is a big fight in the country. We don't want there to be a fight in the country. We're just going to settle it and take it off the table. Yeah. But what happened was the exact opposite. They did not settle it. It, it. it was, went even crazier. We've had a half a century of everyone going crazy about abortion for the past 48, 49 years. So what happened was they basically said, it's a failed experiment. Alito's like, it's a failed experiment. It was bad law. It made no sense at the time to do it. It makes no sense at the time to keep to, right now to keep it. It goes back to the states. It's a democratic process. Every state can choose what they want to do. And for some reason, that's considered, you know, subverting democracy. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think any uh, um, president was overwhelmingly elected over the past 48 years on the issue. Overwhelmingly. I know that some people definitely include this. On the issue of will they appoint justices, will keep or overturn Roe v. Wade. Granted, that was definitely a factor in multiple presidential elections, especially, I think, Trump-Hillary, um, because, because Scalia had died and it, there was a, there was a um, nomination on the table. But the idea that that was something that everyone was talking about, that, that it would be a subversion of democracy because the president's uh, who appointed the justices were not elected with the popular vote, even though the popular vote isn't a thing, but it's not a subversion of democracy to actually let people vote or, you know what I'm saying, to, on the actual issue. Yeah. It's crazy thinking. It's a, like I'm even getting tongue twisted just, just trying to exactly. talk about it because it's so hard to keep track of the faulty, crazy logic. Right. And uh, and like you said, just backtracking, Alito is a phenomenal Writer, like he reads like a novel. Uh, yeah, even to non really legal scholars yeah. like like us. And essentially, he argues. You're right. He goes through the history a lot. And I think some people misconstrued this. They say, "Well, what's the history relevant?" And they've got it backwards. The original decision used the history. That they have a big problem because there are many rights that are guaranteed by the Constitution, right? By the Bill of Rights. They, and there's freedom of speech, and there's freedom of religion, and there's freedom of the press. Right now, why did they go and enumerate all of those freedoms? You could just say, "Listen." I have a right to do whatever I want. How to, you know, try and stop me? Because obviously, the authors of the Constitution felt if you know you need if you want a right to bear arms, you've got to enumerate list a right to bear arms. There's no right to abortion. You can read the Constitution. You can read it backward, forward. It does not say anywhere you have a right to abort a baby. So they're doing all these contortions back in 1972, 73 to figure out where this is. And basically, what they came out with is there's a clause in the 14th Amendment that protects certain rights that are not actually listed in the Constitution, if they're rooted in history, if they're rooted in the nation's history. And uh, that's what he was out to show, is that totally false. There's no basis for that because it's not really, it's not rooted anywhere. In fact, there were many times in, in American history where they punished people for aborting babies. That's why he brought in that history. And it's amazing how people are just melting down over this. Like, if they believe in it, that's one thing. That itself is hard for me to swallow. But like, to believe that it's somehow like a federal law and federal jurisdiction, it, it, it really, he just completely, completely, you know, uh, just knocks that out of the water. Absolutely. It actually even goes further back than, than the actual Roe v. Wade decision. It's, uh, I, I'm just repeating what I heard from uh, good uh, constitutional scholar, uh, scholars like Josh Hammer talks about this, Ben Shapiro, obviously. To talks about this. So I've heard a lot of people talk about this. So I'm basically just regurgitating what I heard because once again, I, I, I didn't go to law school. I didn't study this stuff, but um, I am interested in it from a political level. Um, the, uh, 
before Roe v. Wade, there was a decision that um, went about uh, contraceptive, uh, uh, contraception about uh, privacy. And basically that they were saying to outlaw contraception in certain states and all that kind of stuff. And the, and the Supreme yes. Court found in the right to privacy, they discovered the right to privacy, which is not a right either in the Constitution. Then based in that right to privacy, that's how they got to the, so it's like not just one step removed from something that's not found in the constitution, it's two step removed from, from something right. that's not found in the constitution. So based on that right to privacy, they, that's how they got to Roe v. Wade, which right. basically goes to show that they are just trying to find ways to get to their, um, to get to their end point and they will, and they will go in any circuitous route to get there. We saw this, and this is still going on today. We saw this with the OSHA ruling, which thankfully there was a, a conservative majority on that court. But the but the dissents in that case with the uh, that OSHA could mandate vaccinations for every single um, uh, employee in the country, uh, which would be in over eighty million people. Um, that the uh, that the dissent in that case was they basically just made it up. They basically were like, well, this isn't found in law. But it's for the public health. That's like, well, that's not your job. Your job is to not, you know, decide based on what's good for the public health. What's, what's your job is to interpret if it's legal. And if it's not legal, you can't do it. Like, and it, you know who does change the law based on public health reasons or whatever? The legislature. Congress. You are not a super legislature. Congress, exactly. The Supreme Court is not a super legislature that determines law. They, they don't. And, th- and they think that this destroys the credibility of the court. I think it actually restores a little bit, a very little bit of the credibility of the court. And it's it, very interesting that you say that because at one point, you know, they talk about stare decisis, which is the idea of, of precedent and of upholding a precedent. And Alito basically shoots that down and says, not when it conflicts with the actual reading of the Constitution. Precedent is not that strong, brings many, many many, many you know, pieces of, uh, of evidence and, and past rulings to support that. And then he says, he says that some people argue that, well, but it's going to make the court look very bad. It's reminiscent of the concept of Chuchov Lula in, uh, in the Gemara, in Chazal, where, well, look how bad the court's going to look. If we, if, if we overturn this decision, it's going to look like the initial decision was made because of political pressure, but was actually a poor legal decision. And he says, I'm sorry, you know, essentially, I'm paraphrasing. He says, like, we can't uphold something that we think is unconstitutional because it's going to make the previous court look bad. But what he's like hinting to there and insinuating without saying it is the previous decision was done for political reasons and it actually had no legal basis. And now you want me to uphold it because, well, that's going to make us look really silly. Well, yeah, that's you should have thought of that before the original decision. That's essentially if you read between the lines what he says. Yeah, and the idea that we don't, uh, that the Supreme Court doesn't overrule prior decisions just because they existed is clearly untrue. I mean, um, the classic example that everyone knows is Plessy versus Ferguson being overruled by, by Board Brown, versus, Brown. Brown versus Board of Education. Exactly. And, you know, that's the classic example that even laymen uh, know. And I'm sure that if you ask a, a you know, Harvard Law, uh, Con Law third year student, they'd be able to give you 10 more examples of yeah. times that happen. He quotes because at least five. Happens. Yeah, exactly. So it's, this is just what happens. I mean, this is why we have a legislature. Yeah. This is why we have a judicial branch. This is the whole point. 
Yeah. And so sometimes they make mistakes and sometimes they're overturned later. You know, it's so funny. The same left that says that a doctor can look at a newborn baby and sometimes make a mistake and get the wrong gender says that a, ju- a judge ruling on the law has never made a mistake ever. And that that is <laughs> set precedence. You know what? The gender you were born with is set precedent. <laughs> it cannot be overturned 50 years later. <laughs> and, and I and I sympathize with the fact that like, hey, Congress is so dysfunctional. When are they? What are the odds they're ever going to get the 60 votes to legislate this matter? I get it. That is very pitiful. That doesn't mean that the Supreme Court could just step in and say, well, the nine of us who are tenured, uh, you know, can just make the decision on our own or five of the nine, even worse. It, it's so path- it really is pathetic how quickly um, let, uh, members of Congress are willing to abdicate their own responsibility to other branches just to get things done. So they did it with Supreme Court. Um, there was a clip that came out uh, today. I think it was Cory Bush or one of the squad. Um, I think it was Cory Bush. That, so say, basically saying like, well, there's things that we can do. Uh, the FDA can basically give out abortion pills and the health and human services can basically like g- give free abortions like on the corner, on the street corner of Alabama or whatever. Like she's basically like, just do the executive branch. Executive branch should do it because we can't do it. And it's like, they just want it done. They don't care how it gets done. They don't care what the institutions that are being destroyed on the way. They don't care about losing any of the set power, balance of power that was created in the Constitution. That doesn't matter. All that matters is getting their goal. The ends for them, the ends justify the means every single time. Yeah, and it is. Which, yeah. which is really how the leak got out, you know, because they, they totally justify the leak in uh, that happened. They don't care. They're happy that the leak happens. This is the greatest thing in the world to them. Yeah, let's get to the leak. Good segue there. That wasn't planned. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm not one who throws around the term deep state. I I just I will use it. You'll hear me use it once every three months because I don't I like to focus on what we see in front of us. There's so much that they do overtly that even without getting into the deep state. I mean, they, they they put a man in the White House who suited their agenda. He's the fall guy. And the, you know, he barely knows where he is half the time. Like that's not deep state. That's right there before our eyes. However, I mean, there's no question. They're not even denying it, that this was leaked. Like this is like, this is unheard of. Nothing ever leaks out of the Supreme court. It's so tightly well-kept and you see how shocked even chief justice, John Roberts, who tends to kind of be very low key. You know, he is very, very, very distraught by this. Obviously it makes him look pitifully weak, and you know, just what do you clearly? And that shows us, you know, that that like how crucial this issue is to them. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on all of that? Yeah. So John Roberts, from what I know of him, is his entire purpose of being is to maintain the integrity of the court, whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. Maintain the integrity of the court. There, there are no Trump judges. There are no Obama judges. You know, yeah. everything he does is like denial of the reality. Correct. Exactly. And if it's set, if it's precedent. It's he's probably the only judge in the country, or uh, at least he is. I hope he's the only judge in the country that actually looks at polling data to determine his, his position. You know, he's he wants to know what is the most popular thing. So the court doesn't stay doesn't get controversial. And it's really pathetic, to be honest, like that's not what the court's for. But the um, he is so upset because this ruins the institution, the integrity of the court. This absolutely demolishes hundreds of years of of precedent really in not leaking 
documents and not leaking opinions. There have been over 25,000 opinions issued by the Supreme Court. Not one of them has ever been leaked in advance to a major political I, to including a major, Obamacare. Uh, publication. It's incredible. Including Obamacare, including anything. Including the, Brown, yeah. Not the first controversial uh, court decision. Very true. You know, this is this happens all the time. The controversial the, that the court has opinions and it comes out and it's a big story and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that it was leaked, it obviously had an agenda. Now, whether or not it was multiple people or one people, one person, it's fairly irrelevant um, at the moment. I mean, it's relevant later in terms of prosecutions, but at the moment, it's whether or not it was one person or multiple people, they, the leaker obviously had an agenda. The agenda, I believe, is to put pressure on the court either put pressure on the court to get somebody to split at, or it's to get Congress in action before they lose in, in November. They're like, okay, if we do it now, then they have seven months to get this done or not even, you know, six months to, to, to get it done to enshrine Roe in the, uh, into law. That's not going to happen either because the obstacles to do so are so great. And by the way, they could have done it in 2009, 2010, uh, when uh, when Obama had a majority. They pushed through Obamacare instead, but they didn't do it. They yeah, they have no interest. I, honestly, Democrats, I don't believe, have any interest in actually enshrining Roe as the law of the land because they it's too good of a topic for them to run on in terms of pointing to the Republicans how evil the Republicans are. It's the same thing with gun control. They don't want to actually they. The Democrats have had, um, you know, both houses of Congress always say this. and the presidency for the past year and a half. Have they? Has anyone said one peep about the gun they, control? Under Trump, they, they talked about it nonstop, and uh, you have not heard Cory Booker. You have not heard any no. Democrats. Pelosi, Schumer. There are mass shootings, and suddenly gun control is not. Has even there been mentioned. one bill put on the floor to do it? And by the way, the Republicans aren't that much better. In 2017, 2018, Agreed. they had so many opportunities to get so they couldn't it's even the defund border. Planned Parenthood. They could not defund Planned Parenthood in 2017, Agreed. 2018. They couldn't fix Obamacare. They couldn't do anything. They, I mean, that was um, uh, what's it called? John McCain's fault with Obamacare, yeah. but because he, <laughs> he was the deciding vote. But the and he only did it because he didn't like Trump. Right. Um, but the the idea that. They didn't even try to do these things when they had the majority in 2009-2010, when they have the majority in 2021 and 2022. Now they're going to rush, rush, rush to do it. They're not going to do anything. They're not even going to put anything. They, they will only put it up for a vote if they know they're going to lose. So they can say that they can do it. They don't want to do it because it's too good of a political weapon. And that's the game. It's so clear that is the game. And it's disgraceful if you ask me, but it's so undeniable. Final question. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Let's say it wasn't Trump. Let's say that Jeb Bush had become president in 2017. Do you think we get this ruling? Do you think the justices appoint? Oh, he's shaking his head. You know, Coney Barrett. Really? So maybe if Ted Cruz was was put in there, was was elected in 2017. Um, it, with the Jeb Bush, no, Hillary, obviously not. That's not Rubio, Rubio, eh, maybe. But the the whole thing about Trump was the only reason he appointed these justices was be to fulfill a campaign promise, which he made to get the conservative vote. 
to come out for him in 2016, which was, I will appoint Federalist Society judges. And that was a big deal because, like I said before, the Scalia died. There was an open seat. Um, yeah. It was it was on everyone's mind going into the election. It was, um, and there was a promise made by Trump, who literally took out a list and said, "These are the justices that I, these are the judges that I'm considering for the Scalia appointment, and I will continue to if I have another appointment to make, I will make a um, uh, I will do it from the Federalist Society." And that was a promise he made and a promise he kept. Every single one of his justices was someone from the Federalist Society, which is a great thing because the Federalist Society is a great organization, in my opinion, that cares about the a originalism and integrity of the Constitution, which you would think wouldn't be controversial, but apparently is, <laughs> and that make and that makes them evil, and that so and that makes them hate people or whatever. But Trump did it, and I I think Cruz probably would have done it. Rubio may have done one. Um, out of the three, um, you know, uh, Kasich wouldn't have, Jeb wouldn't have, uh, you know. So I mean, yeah. <clears throat> uh, the, so uh, give him credit. I mean, yeah, he moved, the, he moved the embassy. He got the vaccines, which no Democrat would have ever done for years. Whatever your position is on the vaccines, the Democrats think that it's the greatest thing ever, and don't give credit to the man to the man behind warp speed. And uh, and now he got Roe v. Wade overturned, presumably, depending on what ends up happening. So even post presidency, still having this enormous impact, which was the you know kind of well, the that's the Trump legacy. The, the biggest yeah. legacy of Trump is that he got three seats in a one term. Obama only got two seats in two terms. Um, a, it's true. And, uh, Biden has one now, but it's a uh, it was from left to lefter, so it's uh, really not that big of a deal um, in, in all all things considered. Moshe Hill. As always, wonderful, f- phenomenal job. Uh, entertaining, you. informative. We appreciate it. So, again, hillwithaview.com uh, and hillwithview on Twitter. I don't know if you're on Truth Social yet, but I'm sure you'll get there. Uh, unless am. Elon Musk, you yeah. don't need to. Oh, cool. Okay, I'll I find know. you there. I-, I am. I think it's also at Hill with View. I-, I made an account, but I, didn- I haven't really checked it. So. All right, perfect. Uh, thank you so much. Great to have you with us and hope to do it soon. Moshe Hill. All right, thank you.